We were created to be relational. God wants us to know Him. When we do, we are changed, made new. Now, He uses us to connect with others, those in our circles of influence. You see, walking with God reminds us that it's all about relationships. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and this is Shane Seegers, and he is in charge of our multi-site ministry. We want to welcome all the folks who are joining us at Pike Road and at Cloverdale and Wetumpka and uh, other places around the world who are joining us via the World Wide Web. We're glad you're along, too. We're going to wrap up our um, third, uh, well, this is our third and final installment in our series, It's All About Relationships. In fact, inside your bulletin today, you'll find um, an outline of where we're headed today, and it's entitled Loving More People. Uh, the first point on the outline simply says God wants us to love him more and love people more. We've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. And this week we're going to add on to that. God also wants us to love more people. So if you need a pen to fill in the blanks, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will be glad to bring a pen to you. Uh, but Shane, why don't you have a word of prayer for us and then we're going to jump right in. Father, thank you so much, uh, God, for your presence being here today. Um, God, again, there's no place we can go where you're not present. I'm just so thankful we can be reminded and draw our attention and our hearts before you. And God, now we come and we ask that you'd speak to us clearly, that you would challenge us from your word, that you'd help us to see a way that you've modeled for us and then also that you've called us to live. And not only that, you've empowered us to live this way through your spirit. So God, I just want to give you all glory and praise that not only do you call us this, you empower us to live this way. So speak today through your word and through John and myself so that you might be glorified and Lord, we might see a world of people who are far from you be brought closer and into relationship with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I mentioned a minute ago, point A on your outline is where we've been the last two weeks. God wants us to love him more and to love people more. Where do we get that? Jesus said this in what's called the great commandment. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's why we call it the great commandment. Okay, and just didn't want to go too fast there. Okay, but a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You want to know what the Bible's about? It's all about relationships. Loving God more, having a right relationship with him, and loving others more. We want to love people more. That's why if we're supposed to love God, well, I hope next year in 2015 I love God more then than I do now. I hope I grow. If I'm supposed to love others, I hope next year I'll love others more. But it's not only about loving God more and others more. Today we're going to talk about God also wants us to love more people. God also wants us to love more people. It's good if I grow in my relationship with God. I should. And it's good if I grow in my relationship with the people I know around me and I love them more. But God also wants us to understand that he sent Jesus into the world to save the whole world, to die on the cross for everyone, and that's vital here. And so that brings us to the Great Commission. We read the Great Commandment. This is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And Shane, these are some of Jesus' last words, weren't they? Yeah, and last words are extremely important. I mean, you know, if it's the last time you're going to see somebody, you want to say what's most important. And Jesus' last words were recorded for us in Scripture five times. There's a version of this in each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then at the beginning of the book of Acts. And so uh, one of our uh, leaders who worked with us, uh, John Ed Matson, he used to always say, the last words of Jesus should be the first concern of the church. 
And, you know, for some of us, it's easy to focus on loving God more. And for some of us, we really enjoy loving each other more because it's a little bit easier and natural. And it's a little bit more of a challenge to love those who are far from God. But as John has already said, Jesus modeled this for us. When he left heaven, I mean, where everything was in perfect relationship with his Father and the Spirit, he left that perfect environment to come into this sinful world so that we might know him and we could experience his love. And if we're followers of Christ, he's given us a great example of us for us to follow in going out into the world and reaching people so they can know him as well. And that brings us to the note in your outline, the kindest thing I can do for someone else is to introduce them to Jesus. When we talk about loving others more, I mean, we're talking about evangelism. And as soon as you start talking evangelism, Shane, some of us are gripping the chair like white knuckle, right? Because like, oh, man. I mean, some of us don't even like to recommend what toothpaste we use. Okay, I don't want to go out on a limb here and try to to force my opinion on somebody. How am I ever going to talk about religion? And today we're going to share with you four simple steps. Over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about if it's all about relationships, then this shouldn't be that difficult because we were made for relationship with God. We're made for relationships with others. And we're made to do this because all of us, we need Christ. In fact, when uh, John wrote about this late in his life, John was one of Jesus' disciples. And later on in his life, he talked about proclaiming the gospel to others. Here's what he said. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard because they had actually seen and heard Jesus in the flesh. He said, we do this so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we write this to make our joy complete. And if you'd circle the words, joy complete, do you know why they shared the gospel? To make their joy complete. And it's a wonderful thing to introduce people to Jesus. I talked to a man not long ago, and I said, you know, and he was talking, we were praying for some things, and he said, man, I love this, having a relationship with God. And I said, what did you do before you met God? He said, really? And you want to know? And I said, yeah. He said, well, if I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be troubled about something, I'd just get out some liquor and drink till I couldn't feel anything anymore. I just wanted a couple hours of numbness. That's all. And he'd wake up and the problem was still there. No peace, no solutions, no answers. Do you know that there are people all around us like that? They don't have hope. And we can come here on a Sunday morning and worship and raise our hands to the Lord in song. And have our spirits lifted because we go, oh, that song reminded me, there's a real God in heaven who's looking out for me. And we pray and we hear from his word and we go, oh, God is speaking to me. If I'm reading my Bible every day, hey, God is listening to me. He's going to guide me. He's going to guide me along the best pathway for my life. But what if you don't know God? And what if you don't experience his guidance? And what if you don't experience his peace? Where do you go then? And so... Oftentimes we tell people, well, you know, I don't know about sharing my faith. I don't want to push my beliefs on anybody. Well, we're not talking about pushing your beliefs on anybody today. Today we're going to talk about, hey, how do you live in such a way that you can share that kind of hope and share a real relationship? Because, Shane, that's the difference between a relationship or experience and knowledge, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the difference is when, when, when I think about evangelism or sharing my faith and it's just about knowledge or just facts, I feel like I have to convert someone or make someone feel a certain way or think a certain way and I feel really overwhelmed and just not able to do that but when we're talking about how we can you know it's all about relationships and how we can encourage someone else to know God really the relationships just like what the disciples said here you know we we proclaim to you what we've seen what we've heard it's not just facts that I know it's an experience that I've had and I want to invite you into that experience and so you know, John kind of joked, we don't even like to tell people what kind of toothpaste we make or we're pushing our faith on people. 
But when we have an experience, we don't mind sharing that at all, do we? If we go to a great restaurant and, we, and the food was great, we go, man, you should go try this. This was great. Or I went on vacation at this place. And it was the most relaxing thing I've ever had. It was great. You should go there. Uh, because it was something we experienced and it made a difference in our lives. And I think when it comes to sharing our faith with Christ, if we just focus on sharing knowledge with people, it's hard to do. But if we share what we've seen and experienced, if we share with someone our relationship, it's so much easier to do. Exactly. And so today we want to give you four steps four simple steps to loving more people. If I'm going to reach out to people, what are four things we can do? And so we've even worded these steps exactly that way. These are four things we can do. First of all, step one, we can, we can become aware. And Shane, would you read that scripture, please? Yeah, this is John uh, writing about a story that, or an event that happened with Jesus and his disciples. And let me just set the the story up a little bit. Jesus and the disciples were on, on a in, on a, in a hurry, and they were going uh, to Jerusalem. And in order to get there, they had to go through Samaria. And Samaria was a place that the Jewish people didn't like to go to at all. They were really outcast. And so if they were ever going to go, they would go all the way around it. So we know Jesus was in a hurry if he went straight through Samaria. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you ever get in a hurry in your life? Okay, 50% of you are honest. The others we're going <laughs> to yeah. have to deal with. But the fact is they were, on a, they were in a hurry, and... What happened was Jesus was going and he got so tired and he was hungry and he, took, and he sat down at this well and he told the disciples, I can't go any further. Go into town, get some food for me. I'm famished. And while they were going into town, a woman who was an outcast of the Samaritans was leaving the town to go get water at a time when people didn't normally go get water. She was going by herself. And so they were passing each other, so to speak. And when she encountered Jesus, Jesus uh, broke about every barrier, you know, racial, social, spiritual, all these barriers to have this conversation with her, to tell her about, uh, she, in her words, he told me everything about my life. And then he revealed he's the Messiah. And so she went back to town, remember where she was an outcast, to tell all the people who treated her as an outcast, I've met the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. You've got to come. Well, while she's going back to town, the disciples come back, and they have the food and everything. And they're like, all right, here's our food so we can get on our way. And Jesus says, I don't have time to eat. And it's probably like one of those candid camera moments. They're looking around and they're going, all right, who brought him food? What, what's going on here? He couldn't go any further, so we go into town, and now he's not going to eat it. And he looks at him and he says, the, the, the food that I have is to do the will of my Father. And he says these words right here. He says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. And why don't you underline that, that phrase right there, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. And really, when Jesus says, wake up and look around you, what he's saying is kind of like, hello, McFly, look around you. Because what they were focused on is their task and their agenda (coughs) and their schedule and where they had to go. And Jesus was saying, Look around you. You know what he was telling them? Look at the fields. What the fields were were all the people from the town who were coming out to meet Jesus. And I just have to confess, I can be like the disciples sometimes. I can be so about my business and so about my task and my schedule that I have to have Jesus tell me, hey, look around you. There are people all around you that I am at work in their lives. You might not even know it. You might think that they're not someone that God can be at work in their lives. But I am. 
And so that's exactly what was happening. Jesus was saying, be aware. There's people all around you that I'm at work in their lives. So if I'm going to share my faith with someone, if I'm going to tell someone about Jesus, where would I start? Well, I'd start with the people that I need to be aware of because God knows where I live. I mean, if I prayed for the house that I live in, which I did, it's like, well, then not only does God give me a house that meets my needs for space, but he's also very aware of the fact that I could be a positive influence on my neighbors on my street. If I prayed for my job and I did, well, then he knows I can be a positive influence for him with the people I work with. I mean, you understand this, and so you understand this, and so to help us, there's a simple tool. This is a note in your outline. A helpful tool to help us become aware of the people around us is the Fran Plan. F R A N, an acronym: Friends, Relatives, Acquaintances, Neighbors. That's what we're talking about here. And under each of those headings, you can see two lines. Our desire would be for every single person involved in this church to take a few minutes, or to take weeks if you needed to, and to think carefully about this and pray about this. And to put a name, a couple of names under each of those headings, people that you'd say, hey, this is somebody that God has brought into my life. I don't know if they're close to God or not. I'd like to find out. I mean, it could be the person at work who always seems sad or always has lunch by themselves, doesn't seem to have any kind of social life, doesn't connect with people. Could be the guy with the big orange truck on the corner. And the reason you're concerned about him is because every Saturday morning, his whole front lawn is littered with beer cans from a night of heavy drinking. It could, maybe, be, it could be people that you just find yourself running into from time to time. You know, maybe they work out at the same gym that you work out in, mm-hmm. or uh, their children are involved in the same activities that your children are involved in. And you don't really know what's going on in their life. You don't recognize that they're sad or that they seem to have problems. You just know, I keep running into this person. Maybe God's doing something there. And so uh, what we'd like for you to do is to consider this and take some time and put some names in those, in those slots and say, God, would you help me be aware? And even pray about this, God, would you help me be aware of people around me? Because all too often we can be just like Shane said, like those disciples zooming right past people and the fields are white with harvest. I mean, who on earth would I share my faith with? Well, that guy I keep running into with the person at work that's lonely, with the guy with the big orange truck on the corner. Secondly, the second thing we can do for that, or the second step then, is to pray. And it's prayer. And as we've already mentioned, if we didn't know what else to pray, the first thing we could pray is just that God would help us fill out the Fran plan and say, God, would you please help me uh, identify people I can pray for? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. This is Paul writing the Colossians. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Um, the whole idea here is that we pray for an open door. If I pray for people to become aware of, then I pray for an open door. Well, what would the open door look like? Well, if there's a new family moving in your neighborhood and you bring some cookies over there and want to introduce yourself, you pray that they'll open the door. That would be a good place to start, that they'll actually say hello. Or you can just pray, God, would you make an opportunity? My wife and I have done this. We, in every house that we've lived in, we've prayed that God would open the door for us to get to know our neighbors and build relationships with them so we could be good neighbors. And really care for them. And that God would make us aware of who's there and what their needs were. And I remember one time, the way I met one of our neighbors, was that we'd prayed about for God to open a door while a storm came over Montgomery and knocked a big tree down in his backyard and fell right across the, the fence to our backyard. The, the fence adjoining our yards. I mean, it smashed down my fence. It was a chain link fence. And a neighbor came and knocked on the door the next morning and said, hey, you know, my tree fell down and other things. And I have to get it taken care of. I go, well, I got a chainsaw. Let's 
let's go take care of that together. So we cut it up and hauled it to the street and we stretched out the fence and I even had some top rail that I had. We, we fixed it all and had the whole fence fixed in a little while. And after the fence was fixed, we shook hands over the fence and he said, wow, I just, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I didn't know you'd be so easy to work with on this. And he goes, I heard you were a preacher and I didn't know what he meant by that. You know, I was like, oh, I think everybody yeah. knows what it means to live next door to the preacher. <laughs> yeah. So that's creepy. Okay. And, uh, and all that. So I didn't know what that was about, but it opened up that occasion right there because we worked on that project together, opened up a ton of conversations. This person was far away from God, didn't go to church, had all kinds of problems with Christianity or religion in general. And, but that occasion opened up the door for us to talk about a lot of things. And he was stunned that I was just an ordinary person and wanted just to be a good neighbor. Um, flip your outline over. There's another passage here that talks about the same thing. And um, you'll see that here. In Ephesians 6, Paul is saying, Hey, pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert. There's that become aware business part. And be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan. And if you'd circle the word, the words right words. Uh, as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles too. Well, what do we pray after an open door? We'll pray for the right words. They open the door. The right words might just be, hello. We're your neighbors down the street. Um, because again, we're talking about this in the context of relationships. You don't have to get open the door and go, hi, we're your neighbors down the street and we want to tell you about Jesus and here's some plan of salvation, blah, 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 you know, before they close the door. We're not talking about something like that. We're talking about building a real relationship so that through that relationship, when you talk about the other important things in your life, like family and your priorities, of course, your relationship with God's got to come up. And this is, this is what we're praying for, so that when those opportunities do come, we'll have the right words. I mean, right? Yeah, and of course, we want to pray that God would give us the opportunities. And like John said, they might look a whole lot different than what you expect. So don't have in your mind what you think every opportunity is going to look like. Yeah, I was not praying for my fence to get smashed, okay? <laughs> that was not the point. And then the second thing is pray that we will have the words to say. But let's not forget, there's more people involved in this than just us and, and God. Let's pray for that other person. You know, let's, and again, you don't have to know everything about what's going on in our life to pray for them. You can pray, God, would you, would you open their eyes so that they might know how much they really need you? And God, would you just draw them to yourself? Well, just whatever you sense that God's call, asking you to, or putting on your heart to pray for that person, that's really what you want to be able to, to do. And I had some guys who, who taught me when it came to sharing my faith something that really has made a difference in my life. It's kind of taken the, the responsibility or the weight or the burden off to feel like I have to win someone for Christ. Because they said, hey, before we go talk to people about God, why don't you talk about those people to God? Yeah. Because I've realized, you know, I've been married for 20 years, and I, I know I can't change my wife's mind on a lot of things, I, and I can't change other people's minds on things. But, you know, God's never asked me to change anybody's mind. He's asked me to love them and to present truth. But I do know this. God can change people's hearts. And if we pray to God and ask him to be at work, hey, God is sending us to people that he's already at work in their life. And maybe that's a misnomer why John writes something that we need to, to realize. Maybe some of us don't really believe that God wants people to come to him. We kind of feel like this is something we have to do for God. I want to remind us that God is actively seeking people. He's actively pursuing them to be in a relationship with him. So don't feel like all the weight is on you to do this. 
No, I mean, goodness sakes, that is comforting to know that God wants this. He's the one, again, if I prayed for the house I live in, then he knew who my neighbors were. Well, God, make me aware of the people that you dropped me smack dab in the middle of. God, give me the opportunities. God, prepare their hearts for the conversation and give me the right words when those opportunities come. Well, then life becomes kind of like an adventure. And that's the idea. The next thing we can pray for is the next step that we could care. We can show we care. Because Shane, this is that bumper sticker thing. People don't really care how much we know right. until they know how much we care. It's true. Isn't yeah, it? that's incredibly true. Because again, if we just start off with just trying to give them knowledge and information about Jesus, I think that's a lot of times where our problems start. Because especially in in this region of the country, it's not people people. It's not that they don't know who Jesus is. A lot of times they already think they know who Jesus is and have heard the words. What they haven't seen is a true expression of Christianity. And so this is so important because Paul says, I've made myself a servant to all so that I might win the more. And I always just thought, you know, I can only win people by telling people. I think our words are very important because no one can become a Christian without hearing the gospel. But at the same time, our words uh, can be heard when they see our life demonstrate the truth of it. And so a powerful combination is when our life and our words match. And that's what Paul was doing. When he was serving them, he was putting their needs above his own. Now, this is important because Jesus said, how would the world know that we're his, his disciples? It's by our love for one another. It's by putting the needs of others before ourselves. He didn't say the world will know you're my disciples by how many Bible verses you can quote, how many perfect attendance pins that you have. Not that any of those things are bad. I want to know God's word. And I want to, to never give up getting together with all uh, the family of God. But the point is, he said, the world will know you're our, his disciples by the love that you have for one another. And we can demonstrate love in simple ways by becoming aware of their needs and meeting them, showing them we care, whether it's building a fence or any kind of other things that go on. Another scripture that applies right here is Romans 12. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. If you circle the words, don't just pretend. I don't want to be a pretend Christian. I don't think you do either. I don't want to pretend to be a good neighbor in order that I can share the gospel with someone. Let's just be good neighbors. And if we're good neighbors, there's a joy in that. That's its own reward. I mean, even if the person doesn't profess faith in Christ when we share the gospel with them, they're still our friends. And because we're doing this in context of relationship, if, we're, if it's an ongoing thing and they've seen us weep when they're sad and rejoice with them when they're happy, and they've seen us work alongside them and serve them, well, my goodness, then they're anxious to hear what we have to say. In fact, that brings us to the life application. We have earned the right to be heard. We introduced that last week. It's the same as respect. I mean, you earn respect. And people will respect our views if we've shown them how much we care. 1 Peter 2.12, be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. And even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they'll believe and give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. A couple of years ago, I was involved with a funeral for someone here who had um, relatives from Scotland. And during the time, I had time to be with the family and care for them. And they saw people from this church reach out to them and care for them. And when it was over, at the end of the funeral, there was a get-together with the family, and we were all having a meal together. And 
uh, one of the women there, that was the person's mother, she came up to me and she said, I'm not the religious person, but I believe you could convert me. Okay? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I'll take that. If you take the high road, I'll take the low road or whatever. You know, no. I said that I'm, I was excited that she was saying that because she said, you really believe this stuff, don't you? And I said, I do with all my heart. And she said, I believe you do. Now look, what if our neighbors really believed we were good neighbors? Then even if they accused us of something, they'd go, well, I'm telling you, I don't know, that guy is a preacher or Shane or whatever, but he's the real deal. He really loves his wife. He really loves his kids. He's, re- he's a good friend. And maybe there's something to what he's saying. I mean, right? Yeah. Just think about it. What are some common ways that you can show somebody you care? Because, I mean, some of the things we start imagining are big things. But there's just simple, ordinary things like listening to your neighbor or to someone you work with. I'll give one example of this. When I was in grad school, I worked at a shirt factory, which I know is probably hard to imagine me in a shirt factory. But there was um, this guy, and he he really, we had nothing in common. And he was not pursuing God. And um, I heard him go up to our boss one day and say, I'm not going to be able to be here tomorrow. I have to take my mom to the doctor. She's just been diagnosed with cancer. She's going to start her first round of chemotherapy. And so I don't even know if I'll be back the next day or what, because obviously it's Mm. kind of new and scary for him. And I heard that. And I just went over to Kevin later on the day and said, Kevin, I heard what you said about your mom. And I just want you to be praying for you. That's all I said. Uh, the next day or two, I can't remember if he came back the next day or whatever, but I went up to him and said, Kevin, how things go with your mom? And he said, you know, it's kind of scary, it's kind of rough, and it's not feeling well, but, you know, it looks like things are, are going to be going well. And I said, well, I just want you to know I'm going to be praying for you. If there's anything I can do, you let me know. Do you know from that point on, anytime anything happened in his life, who he came to find? And this is a guy who didn't go to church, but it was like all of a sudden... I became somebody that he could share and ask questions to. And it all just started because I did something very simple. I tried to serve by listening and praying. And those are things that we all can do. These are things we can do. We can become aware. We can pray. We can show we care. I mean, somebody's dog gets out, help them go look for the dog. Well, is that important? Well, yeah, it's important if you're going to be a good friend or a good neighbor. I mean, it matters. If somebody's overloaded at work or their car won't start, and you say, well, I'll go, I'll go help you start the car, and you give them a jump or you give them a ride home, I go, wow. I mean, this is something, somebody went out of their way to help me. All these things matter because now we're being genuine people, genuinely kind, showing respect, not pretending for any reason. Our goal is not to get a notch in our Bible cover and prove how many people we've shared a certain message with. Our goal is to introduce people to Christ because we love them and we want a relationship with them. I mean, think of it this way. If I build a real relationship with my neighbors, it'll sooner or later come up, are you married? Yeah, I'd love to tell them about my wife and how beautiful she is and how wonderful she is. And she's sitting right here, by the way. But anyway, but, uh, but the thing no, is... Those still all things are true. Well, they're still all true, of course. But, uh, but the thing is that I would, I would love to introduce them to my wife. I'd love to introduce them to my kids. Well, Christ is the center of my life. I'd love to introduce them to Christ, too. So we're going with one more step here, Shane, and that brings us to the fourth one, that we need to be ready to share. And I'll let you comment on that. Peter writes this, because I think it's a natural overflow that if we are becoming aware, 
And we're praying that God will be at work in their lives and be at work in our lives to give us the opportunities to, to engage with them. And then we take the opportunities to serve them and to, and to show them how much we care. I promise you, they will at one point ask you, why are you doing this? Hmm. Because the world is always looking out for number one. And if you continue to show them that you matter, I promise you, it might not be the first time, but if we're consistent, they will ask you, why are you doing this? And this is exactly what Peter's writing about. He says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Now, what's, what's important here in this is that not that we always just wait for someone to ask. And we have to look for the opportunities to share yeah. faith. But I promise you, more people will ask you than not if you live this way. And it really is just a reflection of that first part. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Now, in my own experience, I'll tell you, I've been a Christian for a long time. And I went to church my whole life. I kind of joked I had a drug problem. My parents drugged me every time the doors were open. But there was a difference in my first 18 years where really Christianity was just going to church and just going to church. And then when I was a freshman in college and God did something and I started to live different. And it's about that worshiping Christ as Lord of my life. I didn't just have him as Savior. I worshiped him as Lord. I wanted to, to know him. I wanted to live in a way that reflected him. I wanted to be more like him. And I found when I lived that way, people started asking me, hey, Shane, what's different about you than before? And I saw this clearly. I went to college with seven people from my hometown. And by the end of four years at college, all seven of them had become believers. Now, some of them I got to lead to Christ. Some of them I was just involved in the, in the whole journey. But I had conversations with all of them. And all of them at one point said, Shane, what's different from you now than in high school? And it was because I got to tell them about Christ. They asked me, and I was able to have a conversation. It wasn't then a debate I was entering into a dialogue with them. And it made so much easier to talk about Christ and who he was because they had seen a difference in my life. The sad thing was, for four years before that in high school, they never saw a difference between me and them. One of the things that uh, Paul wrote to the Colossians was this, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That's what we're praying for, conversations seasoned with salt, where you can give some wisdom. And people go, what? I mean, you quote a proverb. They go, where, where's that? That's from the Bible. That's in the Bible? Yeah. Let me show you. Do you read it a lot? Yeah. Every day. You read the Bible every day. I mean, I've had these conversations with people. And I guess they expect it because I'm a pastor. I'll get a free microwave in heaven if I read the Bible every day or something. <laughs> I don't know what they expect. But the point is... They'll do the same thing for you or for anybody else. They'll go, wow. I mean, this is amazing. But one of the things that we want to do is we want to introduce here, even when we're talking about these steps of praying and caring and sharing the faith when we can, I want you to change just to kind of, you know, as we walk through these four steps here, I want everybody to realize that the important part of this is that we're all part of this. We're all in this together. And even if I don't get a chance to lead someone to the Lord and pray with them when they accept Christ, 
doing this is still important. And Shane, we've drawn a scale here about why. Would you explain yeah, that, please? Yeah, this is a scale that kind of demonstrates where people could be in relation to Christ. And let's say at zero is when someone uh, asks Christ to come in their life or uh, becomes a Christian, starts that relationship. Generally, when we talk about sharing our faith with someone, we're talking about gen- usually right here like a negative one. And that's the point where we're asking them, hey, you know, what's keeping you from asking Christ to, to be your Lord and Savior? Or however we have that conversation. But what I want you to know is that this approach, which is appropriate at that time, is not always your best lead with people. Because a lot of us know people who would not be at a negative one on the scale. Now, there's a lot of us in here who know a lot more people that are further on out. Maybe like a negative ten where they don't even believe in God. Or a negative nine or eight where they've been disappointed by God. And they're not really open to the question, if you were to die tonight on a scale of one to ten, how sure would you be that you'd go to heaven? I mean, they, they don't even think that God loves them or that they'd want to spend eternity in heaven. They have so many other questions. And if you start with that, it kind of stops the conversation. Because what we've made it is a one-time approach yeah. that, hey, I have to give it all the information, then I have to seal the deal. And if I don't, then it's over. But when you have a relationship with someone, I realize I can do something. I can have a conversation. I can do an act. And it might not be them uh, asking Christ in their life, but it might move them from a negative 10 to a negative 8. And something else might move them to a negative 6. And then the thing is, that might be all God's wanted me to do in their life. And, you know, because sometimes relationships, we move in and out of people's lives. You know, so don't have the feeling that either you're going to meet somebody and walk them from a negative 10 all the way through because sometimes we get that opportunity, but a lot of times I just get a couple years with someone. But God's at work because he'll bring in someone else in their life who can help them move from a negative 6 to maybe a negative 3. And then maybe another person will come in and actually get the opportunity to lead them to Christ. This happens to me a lot of times in ministry. I'll pray with someone in my office and they'll receive Christ and then I'll find out and they go... Yeah, and I said to go, well, now what, where did you first even start thinking about this? Well, about five years ago, I worked for this guy, and he would meet with me. He told me he prayed for me all the time. And then there's my grandmother. She prayed for me since I was six. Okay, and you find out that people were sowing seeds all the way along. I just came in at the harvest time. Well, what if you and I worked on this together? What if we were aware of people, and we prayed for people, and we cared for them? And then when the opportunity came, we shared what we could? And what if our part in this, in my, with some of my neighbors in my neighborhood, is just like Shane said, to move them a little ways, but I move out, somebody else moves in, and God gives them the privilege of being there for the rest of this. By the way, who's this guy? Yeah, that guy's in heaven. Okay. <laughs> Man, I want to, I want to meet yeah. him. Okay. Uh, that's pretty good. But, but I would tell you this, this is, these are things we can do. Now, in your bulletin, there's one other little neat tool here. I hope you think it's neat anyway. It's just the Fran plan on a card that can fold in half so you can stick it in your wallet or in your purse. You can tape it to your bathroom mirror so you can see it every morning when you're getting dressed. Or you can tape it to your dashboard. I knew one guy did, and he would pray for people on his Fran list every time he stopped at a stoplight. And I can give you a route in Montgomery that will cause you to pray a lot. Okay? So those, lights, those lights are terrible. All right? But if, if that's what you want to do. But, but the idea is put this someplace where you'd look at it often and just start praying for people. Well, what would you pray for? Well, all these four steps are on the back side here that we'd become aware, commit to prayer, show we care, be ready to share. And you'd know where you are in this relationship. Hey, I've met with this person a lot. I've shown them they cared. 
I've shown them that I care more than once. God, would you give me an opportunity to bring up spiritual things in the conversation? And next thing you know, an opportunity to pray for someone will present itself. It's amazing. Finally, if, you are, if you're going to say, well, what kind of things might I need to be ready to say? Well, just your testimony, some questions you can think about here. What was I like before I met Jesus? How did I meet Jesus? How has my life changed since I met Jesus? And if you can answer those questions, that's a great place to start. Look, the thing is, we are a church that's committed to the great commandment to love God more and to love people more. We're a church that's committed to the great commission to go and make disciples of all the world. So there's really a fifth step here. Become aware, commit to prayer, show you care, be ready to share, get off your derriere. Okay, would be the last one right here. Okay, we need to go. This is stuff we can do. I mean, if I can pray for people, if I can make a simple list, well, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't you? We should. We must. Because it's all about relationships. And that's why, and that, that's why we do church the way we do. You know, I'm new to Center Point. I've been here a couple months. But you know what I love is that we realize yeah, God can work through all kinds of things. But the reason why we don't have a whole bunch of programs, the reason why we don't have buildings, is because we believe it's all about relationships. It's where God is where people are. And we want to give you the opportunity to invest your life in building relationships. Build your relationship with God. Build your relationship with other believers. But build your relationships with people who are far from God as well. Because I promise you, that is, that's what God is working through to bring himself, or to bring others into relationship. And I'm with John. Could you imagine if we went to our connect groups and people knew who, was on, who were on your friend plane, and they were praying for those people with you, and, and they were praying for the people on your card. And we saw each other, and we were having conversations like, you're not going to believe what happened. I was able to do this with so-and-so. Or I had this conversation that, I've been, that we've been praying for. And then all of a sudden, we're doing this together. I don't know. I, I just think that's the kind of church uh, that we all want to be a part of. Because if we're not doing that, what are we doing? Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, I just want to pray for the things on this piece of paper. Father, first of all, I want to pray that we will not be pretend Christians. Paul said, don't pretend. If you'd like to be the genuine article, real deal Christian, would you pray right now and say, Lord, I don't want to pretend. I don't want to be a pretend. I don't want to be a phony. I'd like to be a real Jesus follower. Now, if you mean that, pray that. He'll hear you. God, I want to be a real friend. I want to be a good relative to my brothers and sisters and cousins, my mom and dad, my kids. I want to be a, a good neighbor. Lord, I even want to be kind toward acquaintances. So God, I don't want to be a phony. Would you make me aware of people that I need to be praying for? Maybe I've been so task-focused. Maybe I've been so self-centered but I haven't even noticed people all around me. Would you open my eyes to people that you've placed in my life? You know where I live, Lord. You know where I work. You know my family. Who do I need to be praying for? Would you show me? And Father, then when you show me this, would you show me what I need to be praying for for them? 
Would you give me an open door? Would you show me their biggest needs so I could actually care for them in a genuine way? It's not contrived or forced. And would you remind me to pray for them a lot? And then, Father, would you give me the right words to say so when the opportunity presents itself and things turn to spiritual matters, I could say something that I wouldn't sound, that I wouldn't regret later, that I wouldn't be tongue-tied, that my mouth wouldn't go dry. I'd just say, well, this is what I think. And I could give you glory for it. And I wouldn't say too much. I wouldn't say too little. I'd just speak from the heart. Help me share. Oh, God, I just, I want us to be the real deal Christians. I know you want us to love you more. I know you want us to love each other more. And Lord, I'm convinced you want us to love more people. I'd love it if we could never fit in this room because we had so many people we'd invited from our friends and relatives and neighbors from our Fran plan. I'd love it, Lord, if we were baptizing people. We had to have baptisms every single Sunday here. And so, Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part of this, part of your work in the world. And, Lord, that you love the world so much you sent your only son so whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Convince us, Lord, this is the kindest thing we could ever do for anyone. Thank you for Jesus. We pray these things together in his name. Amen.